Hi, it's Paul Camillos. Welcome to Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin as we talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. This marks the start of our fourth year of covering women's hoops and women in hoops. And throughout the series, we welcome experts like Lyndon Moore from New Zealand and other special guests from across the world to get a global picture of the game. During this series, we'll take a closer look at the grassroots and the passionate people at the community level. And of course, the 30th edition of the FIBA Women's Asia Cup was recently held in Sydney, where the Opals took bronze and Asia's best players put on a show. Hit that subscribe button and to show your support, rate and leave us a review on iTunes so we reach more listeners. It was really hard to go past the fact that the Sturt Sabres hadn't lost a game coming into the grand final. They were consistent across a number of different lines and that sort of thing. And again, it just shows if you've got a couple of X factors in your team, that can be the difference between winning a grand final and losing a grand final. And in the end, I think that was the big thing for the Norwood Flames. Shooting the Breeze is past the halfway mark for Series 5, so we're taking a short pause to catch our breath and rewind on some amazing action during the series. With the NBL1 Nationals kicking off this weekend, Tristan Prentice from SA Crossover Dribble, with a cameo from his dog Zelda, joins us later in the episode to talk about the fairy tale victory by Dark Horse Norwood Flames in the Central Conference and what we can expect at Nationals. Before we get into that, we take a look at the phenomenal women's hoops action we've seen over the last few months, and amazing guests from all over the globe, including the US, Malaysia, New Zealand and Africa in our Passport Pods. Best of all, we get to shine the light on community initiatives and player-driven enterprises. We're counting down towards an epic milestone for shooting the breeze, our 150th episode, and we want your input, so stay tuned for an upcoming survey. Enjoy. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me as always, my co-host Jacinta Govind, and Shooting the Breeze has just gone past the midway point for Series 5. I know this is hard to believe, but it's our 143rd podcast. Uh, I mean, you even had me when you said it's halfway through Series 5, because yeah. I feel like we only really just started with that first episode featuring first sub. So yeah. to say that we're halfway through is uh, really surprising. Yeah, it is. It's it's gone past really quickly. But the interesting thing is that, you know, because we're going heading towards our 150th, we are going to put out a survey uh, to get listener input for for that podcast. So that's going to be really interesting. So keep an eye out for that survey that's coming out soon. And as you said, we've got to give some thanks to, to the guests that we've had on through this series. And obviously the first one was First Subs, who are a great community group. Definitely. And then uh, during the series, which will through one of the major events that we'll get into a bit later, we had the opportunity to have a scrimmage and meet some of the first subs, uh, people and subs, I guess, in real life. And <laughs> we can confirm now from her firsthand experience that it is an awesome community and organisation 
it's such a shame for me that it li- that they're a little bit far away from me because it's something I would honestly go to at least twice a week. Yeah, and you know, I know some people might think, oh, it's a community group. You know, how seriously do they take it? And I think we can say pretty comprehensively that they they take it very seriously when they hit that court. Oh, not so serious that you're going to walk away with a few uh, injuries and, um, you know, you're not. there's no love loss. There's no love loss, but they are competitive and they do like to make the most of their time on court. But the best part is that everyone is always supporting and encouraging each other and making each other feel welcome regardless of their skill level. So I think that is uh, something that probably keeps people going back. Oh, for sure, you know, and also the the ability to be able to reconnect with hoops in in a in a supporting environment, which is really important. Absolutely, and I think sometimes people will likely seek out those types of communities for the environment and the supportive aspect of it, rather than the sport. Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, as we went on through the season, it's kind of looking back at it, it's it's been pretty spectacular in terms of some of the people we've been able to speak to. We got to talk to LJ about, you know, she hoops, which was really quite an experience for us. Well, LJ and Tess Magin. So LJ LJ was already nerve-wracking enough to have the goat (laughs) on the podcast. And then we had the current Opals captain and legend in her own right test imagine on the same episode yep. uh, certainly had to exercise some anxiety management skills before recording that episode <laughs> just because we respect both of those players and as people so highly yes and you know we can't actually go past the fact that there was that special surprise very short guest appearance on our live pod that's just gone out by lj as well <laughs> Yeah, I think it was funny because, you know, our guest was officially Sammy Mack, who just so happened to be with LJ and one of her sons, Harry, at the time. Yep. And, uh, you know, he was conferring with LJ about who was going to win the NBL 1 East Women's Final. Um, so, yeah, straight from the goat's mouth again. <laughs> yeah. And we had Lauren Mansfield come on talking about, you know, the Complete Athlete Project, which had a lot of really interesting things about that whole program. Loz is someone who comes across as quite a reserved, shy, kind of quiet person and lets her game speak for itself. Mm. Um, And I was really grateful how candid she was on that episode speaking about the Complete Athletes Project because, you know, we also wanted to showcase her recent success with 3x3 and how she and Brooke Basham have created the Complete Athlete Project. But um, I feel like she gave us a whole other layer um, to herself and what the project can offer. And so I really appreciated that, and I think that was probably the highlight for me. Yeah, and as you said, we got the opportunity to have this whole new uh, perspective on Laws Mansfield, which i got to be honest, um, I feel really privileged that we got that opportunity because, as you said, she does come across as quite reserved and really does let her game do the talking for her. Yeah, and it's a hell of a game. So I my game do the talking for me too if I had her skill set. We also had our overseas guests. Uh, it, you know, as we're going through this, I'm actually really quite quite surprised at how many people we've had from all these different places. You know, we had Amanda Kristovich from Front Office Sports uh, and we're having an opportunity to talk about the business of basketball. Um 
And on top of that, we had Jocelyn Song, who directed uh, an award-winning short documentary about her sister, Sophia, who's playing in Taiwan. Yeah. Now, Amanda Krislovich was a real great insight into, A, what she does for her day-to-day, but B, the broader landscape of basketball in America, particularly college basketball. Mm. And um, I think she's certainly one that people need to be following on social media at the moment, given all the changes in the NCAA that's going to affect the next season of NCAA for women's basketball, how a lot of teams are leaving the Pac-12 conference and joining Big Ten and Big 12. Yep. Um, I listened to another podcast all about it today and I don't think people will understand the magnitude of impact uh, these changes are going to make. No, it's. Uh, I've been following a lot of what she's been putting out on social media about this and it seems that there's, I mean, first of all, one of the things that came across was the absolutely staggering amounts of money that are being thrown around for media rights for college sports and also the impacts that it's going to have on the competition and what it's saying about the future of broadcast for college sports. That's right, because I didn't have a strong understanding around why colleges would want to change conferences. And when we say colleges, it's their whole sporting program. It's not mm. just basketball, women's basketball team changing conferences. It's all college teams from that one particular college or university. So it has massive impacts. And I, yeah, like I said, couldn't understand why the changes, but it all comes down to dollars and cents and exposure. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, it goes into the impacts of how they're going to recruit players, um, the current players they have on their roster, went to particular schools for particular reasons like it's my hometown school Mm. and my parents can watch me play, but now perhaps they'll be spending more time travelling. How is that going to impact student athletes in terms of their schedule with study? Is it going to mean that they have to change majors uh, that they study because to manage the workload between travelling so much and playing college hoops? There's a lot of implications with these changes, which is super interesting. Oh, there is. And actually, I saw something today where I think one of the colleges with their their revised schedule by changing conference is going to be travelling over 25,000 miles uh over the season yeah plus full-time study plus uh full-time training there you're not enough hours in the day i don't think No. no but to be fair this is something that you know jocelyn didn't need to be too concerned about she was very focused on that documentary about her sister sophia Yeah, and that was also a really nice insight into a greater understanding about what, I mean, how the American system works too with high school Mm. and what it takes to make sure you're in the right high school to get to the right school, you know, for you as an individual, but also highlighting that you never really know what's going on for someone off court and how important that is as well. Yeah, very very true, especially in, in this situation. And, you know, we've got to say, look, Try and find the documentary uh, and have a look at it because, I mean, we got a chance to see it and I thought it was just amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Definitely one for any kind of basketball fan. Yep. And then, you know, also from overseas, we had Tracy York, who's the head coach of the Malaysian women's national team, join us and talk about, you know, women's hoops in Malaysia. Yeah, also another super insightful episode into an area that we're perhaps not 
uh, as well versed as compared to other areas of women's basketball. Um, Malaysia as well, another emerging talent on the women's basketball scene. And I think it would be a really cool opportunity if we're able to catch up with her again. Now that have Malaysia competed in the Division B Asia Cup or any of those uh, competitions just yet? I think they have. I saw something today on social media about Division B Women's Asia Cup, so we're going to have to have a look into that one. But, yeah, we definitely need to get Tracy back to talk about how, you know, Malaysia is continuing to build on their women's national team and the program to make bigger inroads into into the hoops world. Yeah, definitely, definitely, especially now that, uh, you know, they're able to have a bit of a taste of the world stage. Uh, yeah. We'll be able to catch up with her again. Yeah, and then, of course, we went across to, and I hope I get this right, Aotearoa, or New Zealand, with our experts, Lyndon Moore and the Puakai assistant coach, Maya Williamson, who are giving us some information into the Tauihi series, which has had some really interesting innovations this season. Now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't had a chance to keep up with the league this year compared to last year so what are some of the new innovations in their second year the biggest innovation is the rapid league so it's the game before the main game it's a much shorter game and the participants in that game must be your bench players for the main game so none of your starting five can participate in that game which makes it really interesting because the winner of the game does get one point that contributes to the team in the main competition. So, you know, you've got to manage the points. You've got to manage legs. It's a fast game. No coach timeouts, and it's only player timeouts. So it's it's a pretty interesting game, and it does, impact, it does have impacts on the main game of the night as well. Uh, how, how is the game time to make it faster? It's four quarters, and it's... I think it's four four-minute quarters, so it's 16 minutes. Yeah, that's super quick. That's somewhere in – well, not so much in between, but a little bit more than 3x3, um, but quite a lot less than a regular 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, and I think there's been a couple of instances where what teams will do is they might – a player who would ordinarily be on their starting five actually gets dropped down to number six so that they mm-hmm. can – you know, help get them over the line with the uh, to get that one point. Oh, okay. So that's a a whole other layer of strategy <laughs> and coaching that you've got to think about for this rapid game too. Given that it's points, and I do like that the winner of the game uh, is rewarded with points that will help you know contribute to the main game. I should say, yeah. Um, because that means then it's still going to be competitive when they're really playing for something. It's not just going to be a throwaway. No, it's it's not. And the good thing about it is that it does give the bench players an opportunity to get out on the floor and play. Yeah, that's right. More better, more playing experience, the better. Yeah. And I think, and we'll get to the, the Women's Asia Cup in a minute, but I think the Tauihi League, we could see some of the impacts from the Tauihi League on the New Zealand team in the Women's Asia Cup because their their performance seemed to have ratcheted up a couple of levels. Yeah, I think so. And I think it was very handy that they had both Ledger Walker sisters available for Asia Cup. Yep. 
And I did see online that there is a third Ledger Walker sister who just made the under-17s New Zealand team. So they're going to be looking pretty pretty good in a couple of years with all three in the national squad. Oh, yeah. They're going to look really strong. Of course, last but definitely not least, we went across to Africa. And not only do we have... I, I think we can comfortably call Coach Liz Mills a pod regular. We were also joined by Queen John Massep, who is a basketball journalist from Africa and covers all the main competitions and is just a, a wellspring of, of information about hoops in Africa. Yeah, and someone we also recommend you follow on social media, particularly on Twitter, because her sources and her uh, pieces of news are usually the most reliable. She has great relationships with people over across many clubs and over uh, basketball Africa in general. Mm. Uh, so particularly when the Nigerian women's team, led by a female coach as well, recently won the women's Afro basket, um, she was your best source of information about that historic uh, win. Oh, uh, yeah, she really was. And, you know, some of the insights that she, she manages to get across about the game and about the team and about some of the players in a tweet is really incredible. There's, there's a lot of skill to what she's putting out there for us to consume. Yeah, very, very succinct and very informative at the same time. Yeah. And um, she also had some inside information about another uh, issue involving not an issue, but another piece of news that in, it loosely involved the Nigerian team in recent weeks, Yep, uh, which we shall not get into, nope. but um, Queen was definitely a, a reliable source in that situation. She was. And, you know, obviously with the, the rise of hoops in Africa, Queen's going to be able to provide us with some really great insights as time goes on because she covers women's hoops in across the continent. Yeah, that's right. So get on board with uh, women's hoops in Africa now before it becomes way too popular, before it goes mainstream. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Become a fan now before it goes mainstream and it becomes naff. Yeah. You can... Like a new favourite band. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, let's think about this. You know, we look at it, Series 5, I'd say the FIBA Women's Asia Cup was a huge event. Australia brought home another bronze medal on the back of the, the World Cup. And I think that's that's saying that the, the Opals are back and they've got their belief in themselves and I think they've got a really solid team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the depth in this squad is undeniable. Um, the team that we had at Asia Cup, we had three debutantes, which is really excited. Mm. We had some hometown heroes and we also had uh, a couple of Opals from that FIBA Women's World Cup bronze medal or, ro sorry, sorry, rose gold opal <laughs> from last year. Yep. Uh, so it was a great mix of talent, uh, yeah, opportunity to showcase some emerging talent in Bibi, Horvat and uh, Atwell as well. And they were under immense pressure. Uh, they had to win that game against Korea to ensure that they made the qualifying tournament for the Olympics. Yep. And I'm sure that's something that they probably didn't intentionally sign up for. But unfortunately, that's what comes with the territory. And they certainly rose to the occasion. They did. I think this is a core that Australia can build around. And if you look at some of the other players that we've got coming through, um, add them to the mix. I think we're in a really strong position going forward for at least the next two to three Olympic cycles. 
Oh, easily, easily. Um, and it's really interesting. There's a lot of hype at the moment around the Boomers squad and they're heading into their World Cup as well. And lots of talk online about how we have so many NBA players in the Boomer squad. And we need to remember that when we have a full strength Opal squad like we did at the World Cup, yeah. how many WNBA players we have too. So yeah. I think the love needs to be shared a little bit more in that respect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I know we, we're crossing codes here just to say this, but with all the focus on women's sports because of the soccer World Cup, you'd think that we would be seeing some more focus on other women's sports and, you know, what's happening with our players over in the WNBA. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and, and we touched on it before, New Zealand New Zealand really gave a great account of themselves during the, the Asia Cup. Yeah, they really did. And um, like you said, a good opportunity to showcase some of their merchant talent too uh, that play in the, the new league over there. And, you know, the likes of Tara Reid, she's probably been a well-known athlete over in New Zealand, and now she's going to be suiting up for the Melbourne Boomers the next WNBL season, making her debut. Yep. So I feel like sometimes the Asia Cup can be a really great stepping stone in that respect as well. Mm. You know, I think we – who did we speak to a couple of seasons ago that mentioned, oh, it was way – years – not years ago, well, kind of years ago <laughs> when we spoke to the head of the uh, Auckland Dream. I yep. almost said Atlanta Dream. Auckland Dream and just mentioning how basketball is the number one sport in New Zealand. So – Considering their success, and um, that's the furthest that a New Zealand women's team has ever gone in an Asia Cup, given that it's, you know, rising in popularity, I'm sure it's just going to get better for them. Uh, it will. And I think the more competition that they're having the Tawihi League and the more there is an increasing number of Kiwi players coming over to the, the WNBL, I think, yeah, it's going to get to be a really interesting, um, interesting rivalry, I think, between us and New Zealand as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe, you know, crossing codes again, maybe something that resembles the rivalry in Nepal. Yeah, please, don't, let's not talk about rugby, though. No, 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 no. I mean a, I mean a rivalry where we're competitive. Yeah, yeah we'll take that one. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the big one was, um, you know, I mean, yes, Hanju was, was dominant and we saw that in the World Cup as well, but China beat Japan. Yeah, and it was a different Japanese team. They were definitely stronger, I think, at this tournament at Asia Cup than they were at the World Cup last year. I think, unfortunately, the timing of the World Cup for them, they had a lot of their main players out injured. And I think that's – I can't remember if that's when they had their, their new coach as well trying to get in the mix after having the former coach that they had at the Olympics and being so successful at the Olympics then the whole – thing changed again very quickly. So I don't think the World Cup was ideal timing for them as players and as a program. But, um, oh, my gosh, what a game for that grand final between those two. Obviously, two countries that have extensive history outside of basketball. But, uh, yeah, to think it was, I shouldn't say just Asia Cup, it was a qualifying cup. It was highly competitive. Yeah, yeah it really was. And... We've got to give a, a huge shout-out to previous pod guests and the head coach for the Opals for that competition, Shannon Seabone, who's just signed up again for Townsville for another three years, and assistant coach Renee Garlop, who also was the head coach for North Bears and who took out the NBL One East. 
Yeah, that's right. Both coaches having a lot of success this year. Um, it's very clear that Basketball Australia want to keep both of those coaches heavily involved in the Opals program. Also with the addition of Christy Harrower, yep. um, given that she's a legendary Opal herself, it's a no-brainer to have her as part of the coaching squad. Yeah, really great opportunity for both of them to to challenge their coaching skills. Probably not ideal with the pressure of that Korean game, uh, but also, again, just rising to the occasion really nicely. Um, so I hope when they returned home that they were given a good pat on the back from the coaches that be at BA. Oh, for sure. They absolutely needed to. And July was continued on with big action for, for basketball because we had the Under-16 Asia Cup in Jordan where we took gold. And, again, we're going to shout out to prior pod guests, um, head coach Tommy Gallup and, and assistant Sarah Graham. And that was a really interesting competition in terms of the new talent that we're starting to see hit the floor. Definitely. Uh, again, a great showcase of emerging talent coming up in the women's program. You know, the likes of Jade Crook, who also played for the Aubrey Wodonga Bandits on and off for the NBL one East season, and someone that LJ actually gave a personal shout-out to at uh, last year's NBL one East grand final. LJ said, you know, Jade really pushed her at training. Mm and uh, really admired how much she contributed to the team, even though she was someone that couldn't play a lot of minutes, couldn't play actually any minutes last season because of her age. Yeah. So for LJ to give you a shout-out, you obviously got something special. But she's now going to the COE off the back of her performance at Asia Cup. We saw some more New South Wales talent showcase with Ruby Perkins and Jessie May Hall, who were really dominant in that grand final against Japan. But look, listen, I think I think our future in Australian women's basketball is is very secure. It is. I think if there's anything that we've seen over the last twelve to eighteen months is we need that cycle of international competition so that our international teams get the opportunity to get the experience of playing different countries and getting exposed to different styles of play. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really good point. I totally agree. And the earlier, the better if they can get exposed to that. So I think perhaps that's why they did away with the under-22s and swapped it now to the under-16 and 17 way back in the day, Yeah, uh, perhaps to allow that earlier exposure to international level of competition. Now, we also have to talk about the under-19s World Cup. Mm, we do. <laughs> now... You know, the, the Gems didn't make the quarterfinals for the first time. We were upset by Mali. And I've got to say, it was disappointing for a lot of people. But one of the things that we've heard, and we even heard it from uh, Shannon in one of the post-game presses at the Asia Cup, is that the other countries aren't standing still. They're getting better. So we need to be able to improve the exposure that these teams are getting, but we also need to accept that, you know, we're going to lose sometimes. I totally agree. And when you said, you know, an upset by Mali, um, I think, you know, by now hopefully people know that you can't take a team or a nation like Mali now for granted. Uh, in that under-19 team, there were at least two athletes, uh, the, their best player on the team, Hadara. Yep. Uh, she has played in the last 12 months the under-18 
Afrobasket qualifiers. She played the FIBA Women's World Cup with the senior team in Sydney, and then she's played this Under-19 World Cup. And I'm pretty confident she probably played Under-19s last year before that. So she's someone who has been playing internationally at a very high level for a long time. And when she's not doing that, she actually plays semi-professionally and goes to school in Spain. So I think it's time that we start to take Marley a little bit more seriously. And I loved that they were able to make history and get that far. It was just a shame that it had to be against Australia. (laughs) But, yeah, sometimes, you know, programs and, and teams and athletes just need a little bit of a reminder to come back down to earth. And, again, it's just unfortunate that it had to be us where we learned that lesson. Yeah. Now, one of the other things that actually came out at that uh, Under-19s World Cup was the glass-floored court. Yes. Yes. I was very lucky to commentate the first game featuring that court. It had been spoken about for a really long time, and I didn't realise until about 15, 20 minutes before we went on air that it was going to be featured in that first quarterfinal. And you know what? I actually really liked it. I feel like they used it in a very nice way where there were different graphics at the free throw line when people were making shots. Uh, It certainly wasn't as distracting during the game as I had anticipated. And, yeah, I I feel like this is something that uh, we're going to see a lot more of. And there's rumours that the NBL were actually really interested in it too. So imagine if we got to see that in Australia every day. Yeah, that would be great. And, you know, Kudos Bank Arena, we'd like to see it there. Oh, yeah, per- that would be perfect. Um, but it would be interesting to see what the power bill would be to run something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Now, we're going to get into the – just quickly touch on the NBL1 Nationals before we, we bring in Tristan Prentice, who's joining us from South Australia. So North Bears, as we said, they've won the NBL1 East. Um, Northside Wizards taken north. Bendigo Braves South, Coburn Cougars of the West, and Norwood Flames in the Central. Um, it's been a pretty spectacular NBL one season. You know, just talking about the game that that we were out on Saturday with uh, between the North Bears and Manly, where we might have been just a little bit off target on our estimate of how close the game would be. Oh, I don't think anyone in that stadium, uh, whether you were a Manly fan, a Bears fan, or just a basketball fan, I don't think anyone was expecting that scoreline. Like, I honestly thought that had potential to go into overtime, but I also thought it could potentially be a blowout. And it wasn't certainly wasn't a blowout by any means, but just generally with finals times, two very competitive teams that can really go either way. Like uh, I think in the Waratah final a few years ago between Newcastle and Canberra Nationals, Canberra Nationals had Abby Cabillo, uh, Keely Froling, Kate Gaze, and Newcastle had Domkins, Alison Ebsbury, and a couple of other big names in that squad, and they were coached by Shannon Seabom. So I'm pretty sure Jamie Seabom was playing too. And on paper, again, expected to be a close game, and Newcastle just had the game of their absolute life and won by like 20 points. So you just never know. You really just never know what you're going to get on a finals day. But I don't think the scoreline really truly reflected how competitive Manly was and how it still felt like it was a lot closer than what the scoreline. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And on top of that, I think, you know, despite the gap between the scores, I don't think anybody walked out of that game disappointed. 
No, no, not at all. I mean, other than the Manly fans, because unfortunately they lost, but otherwise, as basketball fans, no, I think everyone was really impressed with the high quality of that game. And I have to say, biases aside, I really honestly think that North can be very competitive at nationals. Yep. I think they're going to do a great job representing the East. The women's competition at nationals is going to be epic. Like, I think it's going to be slightly even better than last year. It's going to be super close. I think they'll really be scrapping for points because it's a point system over there in terms of who wins the game and how many quarters you win, etc. Yep. But I think Norse, you know, I reckon Norse, they've got a pretty good shot. Yeah. Now that we've, we've kind of given the high-level coverage of the NBL One Nationals, we're going to bring in Tristan Prentice, who writes for the SA Crossover Dribble and hosts SA Shot Clock Podcast. He's also an OG from our first STB pickup game and a big supporter of women's hoops. Tristan, great to have you on. Hiya, Paul. Hiya, Jacinta. Lovely to be back with you on the Shooting the Breeze podcast. Thanks. And I want to hear a little bit about Central because it's been a it's been a pretty interesting competition in that uh, conference. Definitely from the women's side of things, um, it's been the closest that it's been in nearly a decade, would be fair to say. Every team can get you on your night all the way down to the 10th place team, uh, the Central District Lions, actually beat the reigning champions of this year. So uh, the Norwood Flames, of course, taking out the grand final, as most people have seen. A little bit of a shock to some, not so much a shock to some other people who looked at the numbers really closely and that. So, but it was really hard to go past the fact that the Sturt Sabres hadn't lost a game coming into the grand final. They were consistent across a number of different lines and that sort of thing. And again, it just shows if you've got a couple of X factors in your team, that can be the difference between winning a grand final and losing a grand final. And in the end, I think that was the big thing for the Norwood Flames uh, that got them across the line. Yeah, and it seemed like Norwood uh, had a little bit of an up-and-down season off-court as well, which probably also put some doubt in people's minds that they were championship contenders. Can you just briefly touch on that, Tristan? Sure, can, Jacinda. I mean, like, to be honest, I had Norwood 8 on my pre-prediction list. So I had them out of the clubs that have been up and around the finals and contention in recent times. I had them right down the bottom. And that was purely looking at their list and going, all right, uh, they did have Brooke Basham last year. And I believe they lost her a couple of days just before the start of the season. Then they also had Demi Skinner uh, that was going to line up. She's a great shooter, but she had to go on maternity leave. And then Ali Wilson wasn't available because of 3x3 duties and they didn't have an import centre and they had no coach going into the first game of the season they literally found a coach the night before the season started it was their NBL one manager in Will Smith who has done a bit of coaching before but there were a lot of question marks over Norwood and whether they could get all the way to the finish line and in the end they managed to get Jada Rice into the lineup, uh, a tiger from uh, Salem, I think it was, um, over in the States, or it might have been another university, I think. But she was a really important piece that they brought into this team. They brought in a shooter in Georgia Smith. Uh, we talked to Cass over in uh, Britain. She told us that she was in the top five shooters um, in the uh, WBBL over there for the Oakton Wolves. And all of a sudden, it all just clicked together, and uh, they found a way to... Um, get over the top of the Sturt Sabres, which, funnily enough, they were up by 17 points against them in their round nine match during the season, and they lost. 
They lost in the final three and a half minutes. Sturt just overcame them with experience and a couple of big shots. They didn't hit their shots down the stretch. And then they had that matchup in the uh, qualifying final. And it was the five-player small ball lineup of Sturt that really threw Norwood out in that final. But they somehow found a way to beat the Tigers three times this year and found their way in the grand final and did things very differently. They went right up the centre and attacked the Sturt defence. Jada Rice played an outstanding defensive game on Hall's medalist Michaela Williams. And uh, in the end, Norwood got the win, purely from a couple of big X-factor positions. Um, Caitlin Schillerbeer, for an example, came off the bench with eight points. That was the kind of performances that they got. Wow, that is absolutely outstanding, TP. Uh, Really one for the history books. It's almost like a fairy tale, I think, for Norwood. So, yeah, how do you think they're looking now for nationals? Uh, for national finals, it'll be interesting to see, as with all the lineups, it'll be interesting to see who they take over. My understanding is I believe they're taking most of their team there. So I'd imagine we will see Ali Wilson there, and she's going to be one of the big factors, the MVP of the grand final. We know what she's done for the Bendigo spirit in the WNBL format, like Lightning player. 23 points, 16 rebounds, and 6 assists in the grand final. It's all driven from her in how she operates in that. So, um, sorry, you can probably hear a little Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanting my attention. Um, we've been busy on the uh, media trail today. So, um, yeah, with the national finals, I really think it's going to come down to the their ability to shoot the ball. Uh, there have been some uh, big uh, numbers around their ability to shoot the ball uh, this season. They attempt 28.3 three-pointers per game. And that comes from Georgia Smith, that comes from uh, Kerridge, it comes from uh, Shana Thompson, who we know about from the Hobart Chargers uh, the previous year and obviously played a bit with the University of Tasmania in the uh, UBL this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether they can get all those looks, um, those three-point looks against some of that quality defense that's coming from some of the other um, states. But, you know, they're every chance they run the floor. If they play the same intensity defensively uh, that they did against the Sturt Sabres in the grand final, I think they can match it for at least three and a half quarters with some teams. It will just come down to a bit of execution against some of those uh, better teams from across the border, but they've definitely got the talent to be able to trouble some teams. Okay, so let me ask. We always we always have to ask the difficult question. Anybody got a favourite? Oh, well, I've been looking over the women's today, Paul, and I've uh, been looking at uh, Northside Wizards. Look really good. They obviously went 2-0 in their series. They'd be right up the top of my predictions from that side of things. Coburn Cougars have been sensational this year. They've got some WNBL experience in there too. Jill Williams has been on the Perth Lynx list. You've got uh, Steph Gorman, who's just gone on the Perth Lynx list. You've got Jesse Edwards, who's been in there. And uh, Sarah Mortison's been a fantastic input for them. And they're likely to have a majority of their lineup. I'm not sure about the other teams. I'm not sure what the Bears are doing. But I agree with what Jacinda was saying. I think the Bears can give it a real red-hot crack this year um, in the national finals. So for me, it's the Wizards, the Bears, and the Cougars in my top three at the moment. I'm not sure about Bendigo and who they're going to take, but um, I'm going to take – I'll take the Wizards, I reckon. The Wizards. Uh, NBA 1 North this year. Okay. Jacinta? Yeah, look, TP uh, makes a really good case there for all of those teams. I mean, the standout being Bendigo, who went through the season undefeated and then won the conference final. So that's an absolute once-in-a-lifetime season for a team to be undefeated and to win. 
Coburn Cougars as well from the West also making history considering that was the uh, the first time a women's team from Coburn has won a championship. Northside Wizards, I'm not too sure. I, they seem like a relatively new team in NBL 1 North, I think only in it, maybe in the last couple of years. So surely they're making history as well, winning a championship. And, of course, TP's just gone through the excellent fairy tale that is the Norwood Flames. But assuming that everyone's going to take their full roster that suited up for the regular season and the finals, I mean, Bendigo have really good players, all current WNBL players, um, but they do only run like six, sometimes seven players. And uh, when I was talking to Lockie France the other day recording Scott game, he made a really good point about how Townsville did something similar at Nationals last year and just ran out of steam. So by the time they played Aubrey Wodonga, Aubrey were able to play a lot more from their bench and capitalise beating the Townsville Flames on that occasion. So that might happen to Bendigo as well. But I think in terms of depth, uh, Ports will be very competitive, but I think Northside probably have a little bit more depth too. Um, I know that their coach has come from uh, Southern District Spartans and I think he's taken a couple of players over from the Spartans with him to Northside. Courtney Woods is just having the season of her life. You know, Nadine Payne has very extensive high-level and WNBL experience too. So I think you're right, TP. I think it's probably Northside that are probably the top dog. Yeah, but I think Northside versus Cougars potentially given the home state and that so and they're likely to field a majority of their lineup i would say the cougars so let's say cougars and um, Northside in the final yes yeah, so the north bears are very close third <laughs> yep agreed yeah and that's barring any of the upsets that we know can happen in these final series yeah that's exactly right exactly right okay guys thanks so much for joining us it's been great going over, you know, at, at this midpoint for Series 5. Obviously, we've got some interesting stuff coming up on Shooting the Breeze, and we've also got our 150th coming up soon. And, yes, keep an eye out for that survey coming out so we can get your feedback for what you want to hear on that podcast. And, TP, do you want to quickly tell our listeners where we can find you on social media and also where we can get a piece of your content covering NBL1 Central? Yeah, thanks for that, Jacinta. So you can find me um, on Instagram under Crossover Dribble Prentice and also on Twitter, Crossover Dribble uh, uh, COD Prentice 18. Um, you can find me there on the socials. Um, you can find us on the SACrossoverDribble.com where you can get all your South Australian basketball news. Um, if you'd like to contribute to it, then it helps us be able to, you know, find the time to be able to fit in amongst our, our busy work lives and that. So um, e every contribution is really welcome. There'll be South Australian-based basketball news, a lot about women's basketball and the WNBL coming up for the season ahead. And, of course, um, the SA uh, Shot Clock is going to be put on by Clutch Radio this summer, which will be fantastic. Fantastic. We'll be talking about the NBL and the WNBL across the uh, season for the South Australian teams, the Adelaide 36ers and the Adelaide Lightning, of course. And, uh, of course, going to be calling a few Adelaide 36ers and Adelaide Lightning games. But we'll also be talking about off-season with NBL 1 as well, which would be terrific. So you won't miss anything basketball news-wise on any of those uh, platforms. And thank you so much for having me on, uh, SDB. Awesome. Thanks, Tristan. And... Looking forward to the NBL 1 finals this weekend and the upcoming WNBL season.
100%. Yeah, WNBL season is going to be amazing with all those incredible imports that are coming in and uh, some big names coming in late on the uh, signing front as well. A few teams a little slow out of the blocks, but as usual, when they hit this point of the season, we start to see the lineups emerge. It's going to be really tough to call the top four this year. Um, yep. It's going to be a very even season, you feel. I don't think it's going to be like last year where Canberra um, only won a couple of games and uh, I think it's going to be like at least the bottom team's probably going to be winning about five or six games this season that's how close it's going to be yeah I think it's going to be really competitive Jacinta, Tristan, thanks so much Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.